الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ونمكن لهم في الأرض ونري فرعون وهامان وجنودهما منهم ما كانوا يحذرون Respected elders and brothers In this month of Rabi'ul Awal Throughout the month we've been discussing the life of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam based on the blessed birth of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in this month. And we've spoken about Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's qualities and his character and his akhlaq. And we've also discussed the various miracles which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala manifested through Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. However, respected friends and elders, there are some miracles of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam which manifested itself from the time of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam right up till today. Amongst those miracles, number one is the preservation of the Holy Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ensured that from the time of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam up till now, the most sanctified and the most truthful book upon the earth is the Holy Qur'an. And the second part of this miracle of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which continued right up till today, and we see the effects in reality, is how Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam managed to create an entire generation to come after him, who will be the flag bearers and the carriers of the deen right up to the day of Qiyamah. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was a Nabi in Makkah and Medina, Munawwara, for the duration of 23 years in totality. So during the 23 years, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he managed to take people out of jahiliyyah. And he created an entire generation who were ready to lead the ummah. Many times we hear of great empires who after one or two leaders die, then the empire is destroyed. There's nobody to take the responsibility. Leave that respect to friends and elders. Sometimes people have businesses. And after the grandfather passes away or the father passes away, then the grandchildren or the sons are unable to continue the legacy of the grandfather. And after a few years, the business will close down. But respected friends and elders, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam created such sahaba, radiyallahu anhum, who took the responsibility of taking the deen right from Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's time, right up to today which we see the effects of. Respected friends, when we speak about great leaders, then the first people to come to our mind is Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu an and Umar bin al-Khattab radiyallahu ta'ala an. Umar bin al-Khattab radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, respected friends and elders, Contrary to popular belief, contrary to popular opinion, he was not an uncouth and an uncultured man before Islam. Rather, this was completely untrue. Umar radiallahu anhu was born about 13 years after Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He grew up in the, in the company of two great families in Makkah Mukarramah, which belonged to the Quraysh, which were the Banu Makhzum and the Banu Adi. These two tribes were noble men amongst the Quraysh. In fact, Riwayat explained that Umar radiallahu anhu, as a youngster and growing up in Makkah Mukarramah, he was from amongst only about 20 to 25 people who knew how to read and write. He would interact with the neighboring tribes and he would present delegations and he would go to others and speak to them on basis of politics, etc. In the early days of Islam, Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he was very passionate for what he believed to be true. So when Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he came with a new da'wat and a new message, 
then automatically he was disinclined to it because it, get, it went against the norms of the many centuries of theirs before. So naturally Umar radiallahu anhu had that aversion to Islam. However, respected friends and elders, however, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had other plans for Umar radiallahu anhu. It was about the fifth year after Nubuwa. Where Allah, when Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam began his dawah in Makkah Mukarrama. In the initial stages, the dawah was limited to just the family members of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then thereafter, when Allah, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the command, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he addressed and he spoke to the Quraysh and the families and the tribes around Makkah Mukarrama about Islam. This is when the persecution from his own family members and those around him started getting even greater. His own uncle Abu, Abu Lahab used to go out of his way to harm Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa So at the time, around the fifth year after Nubuwa, when only about 38 or 39 people had accepted Islam by, Islam by then, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided Umar radiallahu anhu to Islam. Riwayat mentioned that Umar radiallahu anhu says, I was about the 40th person to accept Islam. This was five years after Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had already began his da'wah. The situation was such, some of the people of Makkah Mukarrama who had accepted Islam, they had made an intention now that we will start making hijrah from Makkah Mukarrama because they could not take the persecution. So, there was a woman by the name of Ummu Abdullah radiallahu anha. She was from the Banu Adi, meaning she was, she was uh, perhaps the cousin of, Nabi, of Umar radiallahu anha. Umar radiallahu anha, who at that time was not yet a Muslim, he went to visit her. He had heard some news of them migrating and leaving Makkah Mukarramah. So he spoke to her in a very dignified manner. He asked her, what is the reason for you to leave? What is the situation? What are the circumstances? She addressed him and said, listen, you people, the disbelievers, you are making life extremely difficult for us. Now it's the time for us to make hijrah. Umar radiallahu anhu, contrary to his normal nature, he said, he made a dua, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accompany you on your journey. Ummu Abdullah was in a home, she became very intrigued. And she thought to herself, this is not how Umar would normally speak regarding an issue like this. So when her husband came home, she said, listen, there's something up with Umar. There's something happening. I have a feeling that something is going to take place. Her husband laughed at her. He laughed it off. He said, and these words are written in our history books. And they are amazing things to understand and to take history from. He says, the donkey of Ibn al-Khattab will accept Islam before the son of Ibn al-Khattab. He said this, and he passed it off. And he continued, Umar radiallahu an, and as we read his life, we, we learn this lesson, Umar radiallahu an was a mufakir. He used to ponder quite often about various things. During, before Islam, after Islam, he used to think and he used to comp- contemplate. And in other words, sometimes he used to overthink matters. So Umar radiallahu anhu goes home and he's contemplating and he's thinking and he's realizing that you know what, our own family members, they're leaving our area What's happening? So he decides, listen, I'm going to finish this thing once, once and for all. I'm going to take my sword and na'udhu billah, I'm going to kill Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa So he got ready, he strapped on his sword and he went out. On the way, a sahabi, a sahabi met him. Sahabi's name was Nu'im bin Abdullah and Naham according to some riwayats. Other riwayats say it's Saad bin Abi Waqqas. The more preferred is Nu'aim bin, bin Abdullah and Naham. So he addresses Umar and he sees that Umar radiallahu anhu has some sinister motives. So he addressed him, what's happening, where are you going? Umar radiallahu anhu reveals to him his plans. He explains to him what he's going to do. Nu'aim bin Abdullah at, the moment he had to, at that moment he had to think of something to avert Umar from his plan. So he says, why don't you sort out your own family first? 
Umar radiallahu anh gets shocked. What do you mean my own family? He said, haven't you heard that your sister and your brother-in-law, who was also Umar radiallahu anh's cousin, haven't you heard that they have also accepted this new deen? Umar radiallahu anh becomes furious. He goes to the home of his sister Fatima bin Khattab radiallahu anha. He knocks on the door profusely. He opens the door. When she opens for him, he, he walks in. And they get into a bit of an argument. Eventually, he ends up hitting his own sister and his brother-in-law. Once he sees some blood coming out from them, and once he sees that how, how much he has harmed them, he, re- he realizes that perhaps I have done something wrong. So he calms down, he relaxes. Then he asks them, what is these scriptures that you are reading? What are these scriptures that you are learning? So they said, these are the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and only the pure can touch it. So some riwayat mentioned that Umar radiallahu anh is then commanded to go make wudu, and some mentioned to go make ghusl. Then he comes, and as we've mentioned earlier, Umar radiallahu anh was from amongst the few who already knew how to read and write. So he opens these verses, and he begins reading up in the opening verses of Surah Taha, until he comes to the verse, إِنَّنِي أَنَ اللَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنَا فَعْبُدْنِي Where Allah says, certainly I am the Lord, so worship me. Umar radiallahu anh immediately stops, and he says, this is the truth. He accepts Islam. So, he says to his, 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 his sister, Fatima bin Khattab, and his brother-in-law, uh, Sa, um, Sa'id bin Zaid, he says, take me to Muhammad. At that point, there was another Sahabi hiding in the house. His name was Khabbab bin Al-Arat. Now, Khabbab bin Al-Arat was one amongst the first people to accept Islam, and he went through great tests for Islam. Umar radiallahu anhu, later on in his life, he said, he told Khabbab, come and show us your back. And when he revealed his back, his, Umar radiallahu anh said to the people, this is the person, I have never seen anybody being punished for Islam like this. He would, his back would be placed over fire until the back and whatever came out from his skin would extinguish the fire. So this was Khabbab in Al-Arat. He jumps out from another room in the home and he, he gets excited. He addresses his sister and, his, and uh, he addresses, Khabba, he addresses um, uh, Fatima bin Khattab and Umar radiallahu anh and he says to them, just a few days ago, just a few days ago, I heard the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam making the dua, Allahumma a'izza al-Islam bi'ahabbi rajulayni ilayk, Umar wa Abi Jahal. So Khabbab was shocked. He says, I heard the other day, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam making the dua, oh Allah, Give Izza to Islam through either Umar bin Khattab or Abu Jahl. So, so Khabbab bin Al-Arat, radiallahu anhu, and Sa'id bin Zaid, they take Umar radiallahu anhu, and they take him to, Dar, to, 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 to Darul Arqam, which was a home which the Sahaba radiallahu anhum used to gather and they used to discuss the matters of Islam. They knock on the door. Some of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum who were in the home, they were a bit worried. Why has Umar come here? What is his purpose? As Zubair ibn al-Awwam, somebody white mentioned, Hamza radiallahu anhu, they were in the home. They said, they said to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa and the Sahaba, don't worry, if he tries anything, we'll kill, them. we'll kill him ourselves. So he enters into the home of Darul Arqam. And as he walks, he, he approaches Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa himself was an extremely strong and fierce person. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa naturally, he put fear into the hearts of the enemies. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa grabbed him by his waist and he pulled him to him towards Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa and he said, Ma ja'a bika ya Umar? Ma ja'a bika ya Umar? What has brought you here, O Umar? And Umar radiallahu anhu said, Ji'tu'u'minu billahi wa rasuli. 
I have come to bring Iman in Allah and His Messenger. The entire Darul Arqam, the people and the Sahaba inside, they started screaming the takbir. They got extremely excited. And ulama mentioned that after Umar accepted Islam, there was no need for the Sahaba radiallahu anhum to hide in Dar, Darul Arqam anymore. Now they could have their da'wah and they could learn the lessons of deen openly and in front of everybody else. Many years passed, respected friends and elders, and some of the lessons which I wish to speak about, when finally Umar radiallahu anhu became the Khalifa of the Ummah. After Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu passed away, Umar radiallahu anhu, by the decision of Abu Bakr, and the overwhelming decision of all those who were around, they knew that Umar radiallahu anhu was the next leader. Umar radiallahu anhu ascends the member on the first day of his Khilafah. On the first day of his Khilafah, he, accepts, he ascends the member and he, he makes dua, Allahumma inni shadeedun falayyini. Allahumma inni da'ifun faqawwini. Allahumma inni bakhilun fasakhini. Oh Allah, I am too harsh to the people. Make me soft. I am too stingy. Make me such that I would spend the wealth upon them. And oh Allah, I am too weak. Give, give me strength. Another riwayat mentions that Umar radiallahu ascended the member. He made some promises to the people. And those that were present said, the entire Khilafah of Umar passed, and he did not go against one promise which he made on the member. From the first day, right up till his death, Umar radiallahu anhu fulfilled every promise of his. Respected friends and elders, Umar radiallahu anhu had extreme abstinence from dunya. Riwayat explained that on two occasions, they saw the Amirul Mu'mineen, the greatest leader during that zamana, whilst he was on the mimbar, with 12 patches on his clothes. On another occasion, whilst he was on his way for hajj, the riwayat is similar to that, which says that he had, the, 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 the sahaba saw him with 12 patches on his body, on, 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 on his clothes. This was the abstinence of Umar radiallahu anhu, respected friends and elders. On one occasion, Abdurrahman bin Auf radiallahu anhu, he says, I used to think to myself, that Umar accepted Islam after me, and after us, but what gave him the position that he has today? Then Abdurrahman says, it could be nothing else except that Umar radiallahu anhu had absolute abstinence from dunya. On one occasion, respected friends and elders, as the Amirul Mu'mineen, as the leader of the, 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 the largest area in the world at that time, Amirul Mu'mineen, Umar radiallahu anhu, he, some, some people brought him some food. For him, he took the food and he distributed to the Muslims that were around him. And then he thought to himself, how can I partake from the food of the ummah? He told one of his uh, companions, go fetch my own food which I've earned with my own money. Bring it. And he sat down and he ate that food. This was Umar radiallahu anhu, respected friends and elders. This was the amount of effort and the amount of uh, uh, the, uh, the, how much he gave towards the ummah. Umar radiallahu anhu, respected friends and elders, on one occasion, out of... It wasn't planned. Spontaneously, Umar radiallahu anh ascends the mimbar. And he says to the people, O oh people, I was just a shepherd in the outskirts of Makkah who used to see to some camels and some animals. And my family members used to give me some, uh, some dates as payment for this. <coughs> when Umar radiallahu anh comes down from the mimbar, so one sahabi adjusts him, O oh Umar, what's the reason you have humiliated yourself in front of the people whilst you are the Amirul Mu'mineen? He said, I was sitting and for one moment, I thought to myself that I am the Amirul Mu'mineen. Perhaps I am better than the rest of the people. So he ascended the mimbar and to rectify his own nafs, he humiliated himself amongst his ummah, amongst the people. Respected friends and elders, this was the personality of Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. What he gave for the ummah, 
Allah only knows best how much of reward is written for him. Respected friends and elders, the point of the matter is that these are the type of leaders we need for the ummah. These are the type of leaders we need to cultivate in our homes for the ummah. These examples are the examples we need to use to bring up our children. Respected friends and elders, around the 17th year after hijrah, Umar radiallahu anhu whilst being in Medina Munawwara, he sent his army and his troops towards the direction of Sham and towards the direction of Baytul Maqdis. He sent quite a few Sahaba radiallahu anhum. Some riwayat mentioned that the leader was Abu Ubaidah bin, bin, bin Jarrah radiallahu anhu at that time. Some riwayat mentioned he was Amr bin Al-As. And his army was given clear instruction to conquer Baytul Maqdis, to conquer Jerusalem. His army surrounded Baytul Baqdis for around four months. And riwayat of history mentioned that every single day there was severe fighting. Every single day. Around after four months or so, the leader of the army, according to the stronger riwayah, who was Amr bin Al-As, he sends a letter to the leader of the opposition. And he says to him, he has a, uh, they have a few discussions through correspondence. And at the end he signs it off as Sahibu Fathi Bayt al-Maqdis. He says, he addressing, he's talking about himself, that I am sending you the le- this letter, I am the one who shall conquer Bayt al-Maqdis. And the Amr bin al-As from the Muslims, he sends someone to see what is the reaction of the opposition leader. So when the letter reached, reached him, he opens it, and he read that last part, Sahibu Fathi Bayt al-Maqdis, and he begins to laugh. So they ask him, why are you laughing? He said, you can never be the one who conquers Baytul Maqdis. The one who conquers Baytul Maqdis will be Umar. A person by the name of Umar, Amr bin al-As radiallahu anhu, he realizes at that point that no matter how much he fights here, it will only be Umar who comes and conquers the area. They send correspondence back to Medina Munawwara, and Umar radiallahu makes the journey to, Madi- to, to Baytul Maqdis, to Sham, to where we know as Al-Aqsa today. And Umar radiallahu anhu, without any fighting, without any difficulty, the doors of Baytul Maqdis are open for him. He enters, he signs agreements with the people of Baytul Maqdis that you can continue living as you are. I will not destroy your wealth. I will do not, not destroy anything which belongs to you, but it will be under Islamic and Muslim rule. And this was the first and the initial conquering of Baytul Maqdis. Respected friends and elders, it is unjust. It is unjust for us to continue these few days of ours and we do not mention what is happening in Al-Aqsa and we do not mention what is happening in Gaza. Respected friends and elders, while we sit with the breeze of the aircon and the soft carpets under us, our brothers and sisters are passing away and bombs are raining upon their head and the Muslim children of the Ummah are being slaughtered and massacred by the hundreds. Respected friends and elders, the blood of a Palestinian child and the blood of our children are not different. They are the same. They have the equal value. Respected friends and elders, let us make some effort, whatever that effort may be, for our brothers and sisters in Gaza, our mothers and sisters in Gaza. Every day, respected friends and elders, the children are watching the bombs falling above their head. Let us at least make some effort in our lives, respected friends and elders, that will contribute positively towards the effort and whatever is taking place in Gaza. Let us stay away from conspiracy theories and discussing the ifs and and whatever is happening over there. Let us focus on something which is more positive for us. Let us make an effort in our life, respected friends and elders, to bring some sort of abstinence. 
Every time we wish to just splash money without any apparent need, let us think where this money can go to. What positive uh, contribution we can make for the people of Gaza. Respected friends and elders, our du'as day in and day out, our du'as day in and day out need to be directed towards the people of Gaza. Respected friends and elders, let us not make any assumptions regarding the situation. Let us not speak ill about those that are fighting for, the, for their land. Let us not speak uh, in ways that we will not allow people to speak about us. Respected friends and elders, these, these brothers and the people in Gaza and the people that are going through these difficulties, respected friends and elders, we and our entire lives, we can go through so much, but we will not taste what they're going through in one day. Respected friends and elders, our ulama have written, and they have said, and they have sent out messages, that let us take a few steps where we can positively contribute towards the upliftment of Gaza. Number one, if there are any reliable organizations or people who we know that we can give and we can donate to, then let us open our wallets, let us open our hearts, and let us give generously, respected friends and elders. Number two, let us make some effort in our life to change our life as much as possible. A'mal in the ummah brings the help of Allah. The more Qur'an we read, the more salah we read, the more we make our masjids full, the more we, we, we keep nafil uh, fast, the more we help the poor around us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help and His nusra and His rahmat comes. Respected friends and elders, whatever is taking place in the masajid, the programs, the du'as, let us try to be part of it. Allah only knows best, respected friends and elders, that the Palestinian people, they take some, uh, some relief, and they take some sukoon, and they know that they have the Muslim brothers in the world who are there for them, who are behind them, sometimes unfortunately because of the state of the ummah, respected friends, physically we cannot assist. And that is because of our weakness as well. We must never look down on them, but rather question ourselves, that what am I doing to contribute? And we must make dua for them, respected friends and elders. Let us realize that their plight and whatever they are going through, respected friends and elders, sometimes because we read the articles and we see the videos and we watch, and, and, and we watch the news and we see what's happening, sometimes we, le- we lose hope. Respected friends, this is, not, this is not the mentality of a mu'min. Whatever effort they're making, whatever they're going through, Definitely and certainly we have yaqeen and we have conviction that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching. And many a time, respected friends and elders, as we see the books of history are complete with these stories, that people go through difficulty for many years during the time of Salahuddin Ayyubi, when he conquered Baytul Maqdis, the riwayat mentioned that for 80 years, not one salah was read in Baytul Maqdis. And finally Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent help through Salahuddin Ayyubi and through his army. So respected friends and elders, we don't know which child of ours, which son of ours, which son of the ummah is going to be the next conqueror of Baytul Maqdis. Let us create in our homes, respected friends, such children that are ready for this. Let us bring alive the qisa, the, the qisas and the stories of sahaba. Let them realize, respected friends and elders, Ulaika abauna. Those are our fathers. Those are, the, those are the flag bearers of the ummah, not the people who we see on TV, not the people who we see playing sports. Respected friends, our, our, our direction and our tawajjuh has shifted completely. One minute we see a video of something happening in Palestine, 
and the next minute we switch it off, and no, absolute, absolutely no effect in our heart. Respected friends and elders, let us keep the mention, and keep alive the, the mention of the people of Gaza at least, in our society and in our community. Let us speak about it, let us create awareness about it, respected friends and elders. Let us make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings ease to them. Let us make dua Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants them complete victory over the enemy. Let us make dua, respected friends and elders, that there will come a day when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow us to also walk in those lands without any persecution, without any difficulty, without us having to go through any stops and having to go through any uh, uh, difficulty at the borders, etc. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also give every one of us the tawfiq to make salah in Baytul Maqdis, to read salah in Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. And let us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we ask Him ultimately to accept whatever effort is being made on the ground by the people of Gaza and the people of Palestine. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.